If the U.S. government, the media, the legal system, and the church can't keep democracy alive, it's time for a state sale, a podcast on American democracy, because America is better than this. State Sale. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lori Lattimore-Volkman. And I'm Brad Rayleigh. So ironically, this week's myth to bust was that Trump has been effective in curbing the pandemic. But it turns out that the president himself has already done this, thanks to 18 interviews with renowned journalist Bob Woodward, where Trump admits that he knew how dangerous the pandemic was and the coronavirus was, but he wanted to play it down. And in true Trump form, the president doubled down this week, saying he just didn't want Americans to panic. This, mind you, from a president who's been trying to scare Americans the last few months that the country will go up in flames due to radical liberal violence if Joe Biden becomes president. So, Brad, what do we have to say about the president wanting to play it down? Okay, well, my first comment is, holy fucking shit. That, that was my first response. And in all honesty, one of the things, honestly, when I saw that go across my, it came in my email blast from the Washington Post, and I was working on a, on a project, and I saw that, and I clicked on it, and I was like, wait, what is this? And it hit me harder than I really anticipated. I mean, it, it feels like that the problem with this administration, and you and I have talked about this, and I know a lot of people on our side of the aisle for sure see this, it's this constant just bashing of us to the point that we get lost in the in the all of it. I mean, all of the outrage. But this one hit me incredibly hard. I mean, I was sitting there thinking about we're we're approaching 200,000 dead um, officially. And, that, and estimates are much higher that we could be at a quarter million already. And with, you know, with the fall that they're recomm- saying could be even there are some uh, some models that say it could be worse this fall. So we could be looking at, you know, by spring, a half a million dead from this virus from this president, this shitbag of a president. I mean, it just stuns me. And to see people defend him, and it, and it was interesting. You saw what they did, and this is what McEnany or whatever her name is, um, <laughs> whatever the latest liar is who, who right. worked for him, she jumped right quick to that not to panic thing, which you which you highlighted in the intro. And And as you said, that would actually make a lot of sense if, in fact, he was steady Eddie, um, who was, you know, never trying to get people to panic. But of course, he, he wants people to panic all the time. He wants his base to freak out, buy guns, shoot people, drink Lysol. I mean, he wants, to, he wants his base to do all sorts of shit. Um, and so the idea that he wanted to save us from panic, and it, it's clear, by the way, just real quick, that they're jumping to that. That's, they're clinging to that like a goddamn life raft. I mean, they are, you know, they're like, I can hold on to this. He really was thinking for us. There's no logical, sane reason to think that Trump thinks about anybody but himself. Right. I mean, there are several things to break down with this because number one, like you just said, if Trump didn't want people to panic, it's not because he's wanting them to not overreact to 
a pandemic, it's because he didn't want the market to crash because that's going to be bad for him personally, you know, financially, but also he sees the economy as his ticket to reelection. So if the economy tanks, then he doesn't have the reelection numbers he needs. He doesn't have the support he needs. So he, that was directly tied that don't want people to panic. I want to play it down had nothing to do with caring about how they're going to emotionally react to the coronavirus. It right. was only about him and his reelection option. There are two parts of that. One of them is, of course, the irony is, had he just taken it very seriously at the beginning, the economic downturn probably would have been muted. He would have actually strengthened himself for re-election in a way that would have made us all a little horrified, but he would have actually shown some leadership and it wouldn't have right. been that hard. You said this from the very first time you and I did a, a podcast, I think. You were like, he doesn't get that he could have actually stood out there and just be sympathetic. Just be, you know, this is serious. Listen to the doctors, all that. He didn't have to decide that hydrochloroquine was a miracle cure. He could have just actually, you know, I could have written it for him. You could have written it for him. He could have yeah. actually looked presidential and actually saved the market, saved a lot of jobs and saved a lot of lives. But of course, you know, he has no interest in that. And right. You're right. It's all about his short-term vision of what will help him with the election. The other part of this, and I said this on Twitter today to that knob, um, <laughs> that, that you know, the the thing that actually seems to get lost, even in the in the reporting I've seen, is it's one thing if we just sort of stop at him saying, "Well, I didn't want to cause a panic, so I, I like down playing it. I still like uh, playing it down." That's one thing. If he simply was like muting it. But in fact, he wasn't just doing that. He was encouraging people to go to church. He was encouraging armed right. vigilantes to, to, you know, to free up or what was that? Liberate Virginia, liberate Michigan. He was encouraging people, of course, to come to his rallies. He did it just yesterday. I think I've lost track. He was, he was at a rally in Michigan in a, in a hangar indoors with a yeah. bunch of people without masks talking about how proud he was of having people in close together at his rallies. He is on it. So you could, you could get, I mean, if he fucked up, let's just say, you know, if he was that kind of person and it actually said we should um, plan it down and then realize later, Oh crap, you know, that costs a lot of lives and everything else. That would be a, a completely different scenario. He'd still be in trouble with all of us, but at least you would go, okay, there's somebody that recognizes they made a mistake like Cuomo did. You know, Cuomo right. recognized that his early response to the virus was not good. And so he made changes. Um, right. you know, a lot of people did. That's what, that's what humans, human beings do. They get new information and they make it better, you know, a different decision, but he is, he's just doubled down on all of this. Demonstrates right. has, gives absolutely zero fucks about people dying. He doesn't care one bit about that. Not one bit. And the thing that's even more transparent about this, that unfortunately, you know, you mentioned all these supporters, all these Trumpers are just, you know, tagging on to that. He didn't want us to panic. He was a good guy. He was looking out for us. No, when you have a pandemic and you don't want people to, to panic, that is, that is a, a legitimate thing. But you don't do that by acting like it's not there. You actually give people information for how to stay safe and how to protect themselves and how to protect others so that it doesn't spread. And when he knows, he knows in January that it spreads. He tells Bob Woodward, this is a crazy thing. It spreads. You wouldn't believe how fast it spreads. Like right. He knows that. He then says in February, and everybody gets it. Kids are getting it. 
And what is he doing at those same times? Saying nothing, saying it's going to go away. It's going to go away in 15 days. It's just, just like that. It's going to disappear. He is lying about how it will be affecting Americans, deliberately saying the opposite of what he knows. Right. That is different from, I don't want people to panic. None of us want anyone to panic. The way you help people not panic is you give them information. People panic when they feel like they don't know what's going on or what they're hearing from you is the exact opposite of what they're seeing because people are getting sick and people are going to the hospital and countries in Europe are going through this total meltdown while we're saying, ah, it's going to go away. We've only got a few cases and, oh, we've got a bunch of people on a ship, but I don't want my numbers to go down. I don't want my my popularity, my, right. my support to go down. So let's keep them out there. Cause I don't want to count that. That is totally different than what, than what his supporters are trying to say he was doing. He was literally That's correct. lying on purpose so that people wouldn't know. And David Frum has a fantastic tweet thread about this, where he says Trump did what he's always done. You know, he's never been, he's never been very deep. He's never been intellectual. He's never been well-read. He, he's always taken care of problems by talking his way out of it. Talk, talk it away. If I tell people I have a tremendous financial record, then the banks will give me money and that's worked. And so I just keep talking. And that's exactly what he did with the coronavirus. He just talked about it like it's going away from points out like maybe in his mind he probably thought he could just like it would get better in the time he's talking and then he wouldn't ever have to go back and admit that he did know this and it was going to be bad for months all around us it's just blowing up and he's still saying you know it's not that bad don't you don't need to wear a mask he didn't even learn the just the barest minimum of i need to change my course if i want to get reelected he couldn't even do that on the, you know, just on the shallow side of it, but he definitely couldn't do the right thing. Tell people what's happening. Tell us how to be safe. Make sure that there's support from the government to do that. Just so fucking stupid and selfish that he can't do anything about helping the country. Yes. I mean, it's, a, it's an outright lie. And by the way, yesterday's press conference, which of course I can't watch because um, because I lose brain cells from just, you know, <laughs> pounding my head on the desk or the telephone or whatever. I mean, it's just <laughs> unbelievable to watch him. But I watched a little clip and he said, I don't care what the experts say this fall, we're not closing down. He tweeted yesterday to, to states, open up your schools. He yeah. tweeted just this morning on 9 fucking 11. His first tweet was about a bank forcing their workers to come back in person. And he was celebrating that. He's still doing the same fucking bullshit. He is still encouraging people to die, getting his base to come see him without a mask, uh, rewarding them. I, I wonder how many people, I mean, the death toll for this guy is, is stunning. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm, and we can talk about mass shootings. We could talk about Everything else, uh, uh, you know, racial violence, racial violence that has been spurred by him, you know, and then and then this. Meanwhile, by the way, the state of California and Oregon are on fire, literally on fire. Has he said anything? Has he said? No. Anything? He hasn't even said his stupid fucking need to rake the forests. This is uh, a sociopath. This is this is somebody who actually. I mean, again, if he weren't president, this would be somebody I would have some pity for because he lacks the basic human quality to look at that those numbers, those death tolls. And by the way, while we're here, this week alone, we have had, I don't know how many scandals erupt. There's the whistleblower about them downplaying uh, the right-wing violence. 
We have Michael Cohen's book coming out where he talks about him riding through all black neighborhoods saying only black people could live like this and also inflating the value of his properties to get money and then deflating the value of his properties when it came to taxation. And then, of course, and this is where I started with his lack of concern for other people. The, the week started, it feels like, or the month or the year. I have no idea. I know this week feels like it's been 20 years. <laughs> yeah. So the Atlantic piece, which, and I have a lot of respect. I, I, I want to get back to you in a minute here on, on the journalistic kind of integrity on a couple of different points. But I was pretty confident that uh, Goldberg is not going to press with this unless he was rock solid. So in that report, for anybody who's not, you know, has been living under a rock in the last week, he recounts multiple times where Trump displays outright contempt for people who died in the service of this country. He considered them losers in World War One and then in World War Two in those in those graveyards in Europe. He said to John Kelly, standing over John Kelly's dead son, said, I don't get it. What's in it for them? And John Kelly, according to one of his friends, tried to kind of massage that in his mind to thinking that he was really just talking about, you know, unnecessary wars and everything else. But he honestly thinks people are saps for sacrificing because that's not something that Trump can even conceptualize. So the fact he that he also died, didn't want he didn't want war veterans in a parade because he said nobody wants to look at those guys. Right. <laughs> then you factor in this week where, you know, in the next couple of weeks we're gonna be a two hundred thousand official dead people from this COVID. I mean, uh, Zerlina Maxwell, I don't know if you follow her. She's a commentator on MSNBC, I think an attorney. Um, she tweeted, and I could just feel her pain. She's African-American and she's like, I wonder if if my five cousins would still be alive. I mean, that's, that's heart-wrenching. And we know these stories. I mean, I read another one just today about someone talking about her mother dying in June and she died alone. And this fucker can't even, he can't even fake it. This is a sociopath. This is a narcissist who has, I mean, honestly, I swear to God, I think if Jared Kushner were to uh, choke on a, uh, an apple in his office and die in front of him, uh, Trump's first thought would be, uh, why did he do that in front of me? That was right. Gross. Let's just go back to the Jeffrey Goldberg thing for a minute since you brought it up. Outstanding article. No way the editor of The Atlantic publishes that piece if he is not dead sure that it can be corroborated. He knows, he knows John Kelly's not going to come out and speak against it. Yep. Like he would not publish it if he thought someone would come out and say it couldn't be true. I mean, other than the white house, who just denies right. everything. Washington post, CNN, New York times, Fox news, Fox. all come back with their sources and say with their anonymous sources too, because People don't want to go on the record for this saying, yes, he said this, he said that. I know he has said this kind of thing. I've heard this. So it was completely corroborated, not even just kind of. It was rock solid. And again, the fact that a lot of people didn't come out and deny it other than the White House proves they know. And, and also, we don't even need that. We have heard him talk about John McCain as yes. being a loser. We have heard him say these things about about war veterans. McEnany says it's just he's against war. It's like, oh bullshit. <laughs> Stop it. This is we know from lots of other books the way he's talked to generals, the way he treats the military. Yeah. He didn't even want to go fight. Like we know he doesn't appreciate this sacrifice. So totally tracks. You get to the coronavirus and everything about those 18 interviews, which 
is on the record. We have tapes and you can't deny it. It also still tracks. It also blows out of the water his whole try to, you know, his attempt to blame China, you know, that they didn't tell us anything. He knew in January, he was talking about it in January. So we can't really blame China, can we? And most of us also knew, but you were still pretending like this didn't happen and lying about it, literally just deliberately going out and saying it's not happening. I mean, that's, that's the thing. We've never seen a genuine bit of, we've never seen him laugh in a real genuine way. You know, I mean, we have all those pictures of Obama and there's these amazing ones of him down on the floor playing with a child. And you, you see him, uh, you know, dancing, seeing him uh, uh, pulling pranks on people in the White House. Yeah. There's Human. none of that from this guy. This guy is actually a soulless monster. I mean, he really is. And it's, that's not hyperbole. He is just, he is a sorry sack of shit. You, you want to talk about journalism for a second here? <laughs> sure. Okay. Let's start with the Atlantic piece. You know, I knew, I knew they were not going to press without knowing this was rock solid. Um, and as he said on CNN, these sources are not anonymous to me. And actually, the Fox reporter said the exact same thing. The interesting point, by the way, about those corroborating sources, sometimes they gave them brand new information, all in the same of a piece. But yeah. it wasn't like they were confirming all of the very things that, that Goldberg had documented but they documented other examples, you know, the, the anonymous sourcing thing. And I, and I can see this as being, I mean, that's the one thing that they can hold their hat to on this. That's the only thing they can do, even though it's corroborated multiple times. And even though there is the corroboration by silence of people like John Kelly and, and Jim Mattis, who have not come forward and said, that's not the man I know. Right. Um, in fact, by the way, Bolton, who I think is also a sack of shit, They've tried to use Bolton, who they've been trying to undermine his book for weeks, but now they're actually saying, hey, look in Bolton's book. He tells the story about France the exact same way that that uh, Trump does. Well, I saw Bolton being interviewed and he's like, uh, yeah, I wasn't in the room when that happened, but I've heard him say things like that. You don't have a problem with the anonymous sources in this in this sense. Right. Absolutely not. I mean, having been a journalist at a newspaper, I know, and I have never I, I think I probably had an anonymous source here or there, but you know, not 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 too often because I wasn't doing those kinds of stories generally. But there's a lot of reasons you do that, but you never have an anonymous source that you don't tell that you don't tell your editor about. I mean, other you have to the the journalistic standard is it's anonymous in the paper, but at least one of your editors knows who it is, so that they because they want that same they they don't want to be held liable for a scandal that you didn't have, right. a, you did not have a source. And, you know, we, that has happened. Um, but rarely because, you know, m- most journalists working at these mainstream standard journalistic outlets, that is the protocol you follow. This is not OAN. Th- these guys are putting it print. They're putting their name on it. And they know there's going to be backlash. You know Jeffrey Goldberg knows the White House is coming for him. So he is absolutely not doing something where he thinks someone can poke a hole in it. Right. And he, and he knows they can't. And the fact that he got confirmation from Fox News really just sealed that. I mean, if it had yeah. only been all the other newspapers, all of us would still believe it because we know how this works and we understand the, the whole reason for the anonymous source. But right. Goldberg had to have anonymous sources because the people talking on this know that their reputation, their livelihood, whatever, it could be in jeopardy with this president. You know, perhaps their lives. I mean, I mean, you never. Right. I mean, 
Right. So they, that's why they are anonymous. But again, they're not, they're not just, it's not like they went to Goldberg. They didn't tell him his name. Nobody knows who they are. And they're just random people pretending to be a source. I mean, these are people in the military, high ranking officers that push comes to shove. Maybe they would come out at some point if they had to, but they are fearful if their name is mentioned. But Goldberg knows that he can get corroboration, and he does, and he even gets it from the source that, you know, Trump viewers, Trump supporters always follow. So they can't come on there and say, oh, it's just a bunch of lies. It's just a bunch of anonymous sources. They can, they'll try and they'll pretend, but they can't actually use that. And by the way, Trump's response to the, uh, I, don't, I forget her name at Fox who corroborated it, was to, to say she should be fired. I mean, so yeah. all you need to know is that, that and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, uh, who was run out of the service after, you know, essentially for standing up and stating his name and, and, and testifying to what he saw. So, so any of those conservatives who say, we won't respect this unless we see somebody come out and say that, that's bullshit because we've had actually very honorable people come forward and testify to what this president has done and they turned their backs and drove over them. So there's no doubt in my mind that they would do that to whomever. They do it to Jim Mattis. They do it to, to John Kelly. Yeah. So it's bizarre that they uh, trot that out. But the funny thing is, the same week that they're trying to throw anonymous sources in everybody's faces, Bob Woodward comes out with a book where he has 18 interviews on tape. The thing about Trump supporters that I always feel, and when I listen to pundits say, you know, they think that this time they're going to have to admit, I don't believe they will. They never will. They will not admit the hypocrisy and, the, and usually the, the, inc- the inconsistency in their arguments, you know. They won't do that. But they can't they can't really champion it either. They can't throw this out there. They, they're not going to want to talk a lot about the anonymous sources on the Jeffrey Goldberg article when they know that everyone's also talking about the 18 interviews on tape. Like yeah. that argument of theirs doesn't have nearly the same weight. So I, I mean, personally, and I, I haven't read Bob Woodward's defense of putting this in the book and waiting for the book rather than talking about it, you know, revealing it At earlier. I can understand maybe not doing it in January or February. I mean, like in some ways it has a little more weight if you're watching, he's saying these things, but then he's saying something else publicly and that goes on for a little while and then you catch him. But, but I do feel like this is, I mean, this is a great, this would be great if you're teaching journalism ethics. Does he have a responsibility to the public to reveal this sooner because it could actually have an impact perhaps on the course of the pandemic. I mean, could it have changed the government's response because they get caught with their pants down in the middle of everything skyrocketing? Hmm. I think it's fairly clear with this administration, that doesn't happen. I mean, they're caught with their pants down right now. What are they doing? Open schools, (laughs) you know? So like, I'm not sure it would have made a difference, but I think for the general public, it could have made a difference. If, if some of those people realize the president knows and he's lying, they might not go to the Tulsa rally without a mask. Hmm. You know, they might not show up at that South Dakota nonsense that are, is apparently possibly responsible for hundreds of thousands of, of cases. cases. Yeah. So, you know, like, I think it, I do think it could have made a difference. And I personally feel like that was a mistake on Bob Woodward's part. I did see a defense, not by Woodward, but by a Washington Post reporter saying, 
Woodward is in this book writing world now. He's not thinking like a journalist. And to that, I say bullshit. (laughs) This is the guy that took down Nixon. So he is not that far from being a journalist. He's not working as a journalist, being paid to do daily news or weekly investigative reports. He knows exactly what information he's got. You never stop being a journalist you know, and having that journalist mind, if you, especially if you did Watergate. (laughs) So he knows, he knows the power of the information. I believe he should have come forward with it earlier. Maybe not the minute he got the first phone call. And maybe he felt, I do think he probably felt like as the president's calling him, he realizes I, you know, this guy keeps coming to me. I can get more out of him. So waiting a little bit for that, I get, as and that I get as a reporter, because you could see how yeah. you publish that right away, Trump stops talking to you. Right. But right. I do think June, July might have been a good time before we really had, you know, some serious, pro- before everyone's reopening unnecessarily. Yeah. And perhaps without the best information. But I, I do have some issues with, with Woodward holding on to it like you. His defense, as I've seen, is that he had to corroborate what, what, what he was getting, uh, what, where Trump was getting his information. Now, I think that's actually, I think Bob Woodward is feeling vulnerable or at least defensive here because that does not ring true to me in the sense that in this context, the only corroboration was Trump's words versus Trump's words. Where he got the information or whether he believed them or whatever is irrelevant. The fact that he could stay in January and February, this is more deadly. It's airborne. It's hitting the young, which he was at that time telling people it wasn't hitting the young. He was saying the young do fine. I mean, that alone should put him in a fucking stockade. Honestly, (laughs) he should be going to jail. I mean, he actually endangered children. So I don't buy that part from Woodward. I also, though, do see, I see your point about, you know, uh, Trump would stop talking to him. I also, one of my friends on Facebook offered the idea, and he was not really defending uh, uh, Woodward here. He said, like Woodward, like Trump, I don't think Woodward was thinking about the lives uh, when he made this calculus, but that he wanted to drop the book with the most possible, this is the time for that book to drop. I mean, if it drops later in October, it's too close to the election. A lot of people will have voted, and a lot of people will just write it off as an October surprise or something like that. Popping it out here right in mid, mid-September, there's plenty of time for people to digest as they're going to the polls. And so if, if his goal is to really make an impact on this election... Yeah, actually, I, yeah, I can see that. I, I will say, by the way, NPR had a piece about how um, nothing seems to move the dial. Several people have, have talked about that. that. That base, of course, is really locked in. And, and then I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I will say this. There were a couple of things over the last two weeks that have actually made me, I think for those of us who want to see a seismic shift, we're not going to see that. We're not going to see those people no. relinquish that hold on that. I mean, they're, they're literally ready to go drink that Kool-Aid. They are re- really ready yeah. to go die for this man. And that's, that's stunning. But there are people... Some of this is anecdotal, but some of this is actually held up by polls. There was a military news poll uh, not long ago that showed, for the first time in my memory, where actually more active duty uh, troops supported Biden as commander-in-chief than Trump. I've never seen a Democrat score high on that. That, that yeah. can't be good for the Republican Party. The other piece that uh, came out yesterday, I think, and Diana Butler-Bass was talking about this on Twitter, about a poll 
And it was a left-leaning group that actually did it. But I, from what I saw, they actually paid for it. So they got real pollsters to do this, which makes yeah. me think that this might have some legitimacy. And they were seeing in white Catholic and white evangelicals something like an 11% move from 2016 to 2020 in terms of who they're going to vote for. Now, that's noteworthy if it happens. And again, if. Because one of the things we saw in 2016 is that if you actually polled a lot of these evangelicals about Trump as a human, they didn't like him, but they still voted for him. Right. So if if you've got polls that actually show some of those same people turning around and 11% is huge, that actually is a cataclysmic move if that happens. Now, again, we'll have to see how that, that, that plays forward, but- one of the things I think we're seeing from this, especially the military stories, I have to think that this recent book is not going to play well in retirement communities of people saying, you know, finding out that their president who they voted for knew that the virus was deadly. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm, again, I'm not hoping for this huge mudslide of voters towards, towards uh, uh, Biden, but I think any of this erosion is ultimately good. What's been good politically for Biden this past week as the conversation has focused on Trump's disdain for the military and his poor performance with coronavirus. And both of those things Biden does well with. I mean, you know, even even though, like you said, Democrat doesn't usually pull well with military overall, Biden himself actually is seen as, you know, a, a, a pro-military kind of person, maybe not pro-defense spending, but you know, his son fought, he like, he has, he has the credentials that, that do well. And he has shown tons of empathy for soldiers and the military. And he was in a white house that certainly, you know, yes. he had to do some of those, those things that, that require showing publicly your respect. And so right. like, that is, that is part of his persona. Um, and it has kept Trump from being able, and it has kept Fox News from being able to talk only about violence in the streets, which is their made-up concoction of, yeah. you know, radical left. In an, as a Newsweek, that's gone well for Biden. <laughs> for the general public, it's just been... One of the things that, that, that I have pointed out, if I dare pat myself on the back, why not? Um, Go ahead. For one thing, they, they celebrate his wealth as if that means something. Of course, we don't know how much money he has. That's why he seems to be holding on to those tax records. Like, I mean, he, he's, he's hiding those, those tax returns like they, they have Hitler's gold in them or something like that. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. So, you know, so there's that. We don't think he's actually as rich as he is. And, but that, that sells with a lot of people. They think, well, he, he's, he's rich, so he's got to be smart. I've never understood that argument. You and I know this, having PhDs, it isn't as if I assume people should assume that you and I are smart in everything because we have a PhD in the fields we have. We know a lot about certain subjects. And as we've gotten further in that field, we got more narrow and more narrow because that's what graduate school does to you. So it means, you know, if, if somebody asks me a question about physics, I'm in over my head very, very quickly. Um, I mean, like, like at, at the beginning of that question, I am in over my head. What I'm saying is you can have people that are good at Herman Cain. The late Herman Cain might've been good at running a pizza company. I have no idea. Um, ben Carson might actually be a good neurosurgeon. It doesn't mean they're good at everything else. The thing with Trump that's amazing is they're assuming that he's wealthy because he tells them they're wealthy, that he's wealthy. Yeah. But he has never run a corporation. He has run a family business. 
it was a real estate business. It wasn't like he was actually, he invested in own companies that hired a lot of people, but he himself was not overseeing the day-to-day operation like Tillerson did with Exxon or some of the other people he's actually hired who have actually had experience. Um, and he has bankrupt those, yes. you know, his hotels and his, you know, his fa- many casino. of the things in his family. Yeah. He lost money in a casino. No one loses money in a casino. <laughs> Trump does not have any long-term view. He's incapable of that. And that goes back to his narcissism. I mean, it has to be about him right now. And so he just, there's no way he can do that. And no by way. the way, today is the perfect day to remind everybody, if you're not paying attention, that on 9-11, when the tower came down, Trump not only later bragged that he went down there to help, which he did not, but he actually went on a call-in show and then talked about the fact that his building was then the tallest building in, in uh, Manhattan. <laughs> That's he right. About, that was his response to the death of thousands of people, of images of people falling out of the building, uh, leaping out of the building to their death. I mean, it horrified everybody else. It didn't horrify this fucker because he didn't care. The first thing he thought about was himself and that he could actually use. I mean, it's, it's so that we should have known. And of course, we did. Right. I mean, that is, that says everything about, you can look at every situation since he's been president and that is exactly how he has reacted in the face of devastation to so many. It comes back to him and also how he has profited from that. Yes. Like it's, we know it's BS. We know you don't actually think these things, but if you just pull it off, the American public will react positively. And I mean, there's a part of me that is thankful he can't do that because right. it would ultimately be worse because he, he'd be lying about being empathetic. So, right. but, so we need to focus on the fact that he cannot be empathetic. He cannot, and it's not about empathetic for like an individual. I mean, he can't do that either, but he, because he can't do that, he is incapable of extrapolating that to an entire country and trying to understand the various problems of all kinds of demographics, whether it's people in his base or whether it's people he doesn't really like. He just cannot understand how things affect them because he is only narrowly focused on how something affects him and whether it's going to help him or whether it's going to hurt him. And that's the only lens he looks through anything. Yeah. So this is random, but because you mentioned the Oval Office, I think that we should point out, maybe we should end on this, that this president is so narcissistic and so selfish that he actually hired a man to pretend to be Obama so he could have him sit across the desk from him that he could berate, like actually say mean things and then ultimately fire him, whatever that would mean. Yes. (laughs) Because A, he hates Obama. B, he hates black people. And C, he is so ego. He's such an egomaniac that he needs that to make himself feel better. A couple of notes since we recorded this episode. We learned today that Woodward and Trump last spoke on August 14th. Good grief. Woodward told him that the book was going to be rough on him. And Trump responds, well, just listen. Well, we've done better than most countries with COVID. You're starting to see that. I mean, they're 
parts of the book you're not going to like. And, uh, what won't I like, Bob? Well, just, you know, there is, uh, it, it's tough times. The, uh, the virus, uh, as you repeatedly told me and as you've said publicly, it's uh, derailed things. And uh, it's, a, it's a big reality in people's lives, as you know. So uh, I will get it to you. And you know the market's coming back very strong. You do know that. Yes, of course. And Did you, you know, cover that in the book. Uh, yeah, oh, sure. Just as Lori said, he cares only about the stock market, not about human lives. Here's a few more clips where he demonstrates just what a sociopath he really is. Uh, you, you know, all those tens of millions of people who don't have jobs who don't have I know. that income. Listen, I mean, you, you and I... Nothing more could have been done. Nothing more could have been done. Well, I, I acted early. And here he just makes it explicit. So you think the virus totally supersedes the economy? Oh, sure. But they're related, as you know. A little bit, yeah. Oh, little so, bit. I mean, I mean, more than a little bit. But uh, the economy is doing... Look, we're close to a new stock market record. As we said in our interview, he is incapable of empathy. Good grief. We also mentioned his lack of concern for the West Coast fires, but note this morning that the president is scheduled to visit California today, undoubtedly to tell them to rake the forest floors. Thank you for listening today. We covered a lot of ground with the Woodward book, the Atlantic article, and a few other scandals, all of which would take down a normal presidency, of course. If you like our podcast, we would ask you to share it with like-minded friends. Or use it to torture your conservative family members. That works for us, too. And it would help us if you left a review at wherever you hear our podcast. That helps other people find us. It's time for a state sale, a podcast on American democracy. Because America is better than this.